Morning, church. Hey, big uh, hello to you, as Paul said. My name's Nathan. They don't know when to stop clapping here. And it's uh, so good to be together today. You can grab your seats wherever you are. Uh, I want to give a huge welcome to all of our campuses, Chesterfield, Sheffield, Derby, Rotherham, Stocksbridge, and online. It's so great to be together. And as like, like has been said all the way through, if this is your first time, uh, with us at Icon Church, then we want to say welcome home. I also want to say that maybe on this Easter Sunday, you're somebody who is exploring, who is Jesus? What's this church thing about? Maybe someone sent you a link or whatever. Well, we want to say you belong here. And uh, many people's stories in Icon Church is that they belonged before they believed. And so we want to welcome you if this is your first time. Come on, church, wherever we are, in Stocksbridge, in Chesterfield, online. Let's welcome everyone who's with us for the first time. Well, it's my privilege that I get to speak on this Easter Sunday, and uh, I'm excited. It's Resurrection Sunday, and what a great Good Friday service we had on Friday online. And uh, it's so good to be together, to take communion together as a family, and to do that with the whole church. And I want to encourage you, if you've not seen Good Friday service, then uh, after this, or maybe later in the week, go and check it out, because our team did an incredible job putting that together. And it's really special, and I'm sure it will bless you. But let's get into uh, the Word of God this morning. I'm going to read uh, John, from John 20, and I'm going to read uh, seven verses from verse 24 to 31. And this is after Jesus has rose uh, from the grave. He's appeared to uh, Mary, and then he's also appeared to his disciples. And then there's this moment, and uh, let's read it together. John 20, verse 24, it says this, Now Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I, everyone say, unless I. Come on, put it in the chat. Unless I, say it there in Stocksbridge as well. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. The do- though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. That's gross. Like, like Thomas, why did you have to pick that to believe? Jesus said, Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, Look at this confession. My Lord... And my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The title of my message today is this Unless. I. Come on, let's open our hearts and let's believe for God to speak to each and every one of us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we get to gather today. We thank you that we get to gather on this Resurrection Sunday, thanking you for that you went to the cross for each and every one of us, but you rose again. And uh, we pray today that you would speak to us all, whether we're on a journey of finding our faith or whether we've been uh, a Christian all of our lives, 
that you would speak to each and every one of us today. And uh, we open our hearts to your word. And we believe today that you're with us and that you're for us. And so we give you all honor, all glory, and all praise. And all the church said, amen. Amen. Have you ever, uh, like, missed out on something? Have you ever, like, missed out? And everyone's talking about it. It's conversations going on, and you feel like you've missed out. Feel like you missed out. Well, I've been a youth pastor here at Icon Church, basically looking after our young people. We don't say it's babysitting. We say it's a leadership factory. And uh, maybe that's a word for somebody who knows. Um, but like for, for many years, we've taken our young people to certain places. And, and, and sometimes there have been moments where we've taken them to certain places. That I've been really excited about it, even being youth pastor. Like some of the places we go, like uh, we go to Rock Nations in uh, the August like holidays, the summer holidays. We go to Rock Nation. I'm really excited about that. But there was one moment where I missed out on a part of Rock Nations that I was super excited about. Like my friend um, runs Rock Nations with his wife and uh, he was speaking in the morning session on the last morning. It was a Saturday morning. We'd been there. It was like, uh, I think it's four days we'd been there and uh, long time for young people. And I was really excited because I'd been talking to my friend the night before about his message and I was excited to hear him speak. And so anyway, he gets up to speak just as I have this morning and I get a tap on my shoulder by uh, like one of the hosts, one of the volunteers who was working the conference. And they basically said this, we think one of your young people is asleep outside. (laughs) Right there, I was questioning my calling. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm looking around, I'm thinking, which youth leader can I send? (laughs) And I thought, I can't do that. I'll go, I'll go and check they're okay. Anyway, they were right. One of our young people were asleep outside on a bed of rocks. <laughs> like, literally on a bed of, like, I'm, like, you know, youth pastors sometimes, uh, you know, like, exaggerate things. I'm not exaggerating today. It was on a bed of rocks. And so I spent some time with him, got him a drink, made sure he's all right, uh, did all of that. We went back into the auditorium to my friend go, amen, and the band kicked in. And I was like, great, I missed that message. It was another moment. We went to Alton Towers uh, uh, as youth and we're queued up for the ride air. And um, I'm, re- I'm pretty excited about the ride because I've not been on it. Uh, I, like people have talked about it and, uh, you know, it's a little bit different. You kind of lie flat and uh, I was just excited about going on it. And uh, we'd been queuing up for a good hour and a half, maybe even two hours. And we get close to the front of the queue. And a certain Amy Lloyd, who is now Hall, decides she doesn't want to go on the ride. Tears come out of her eyes. That's where tears come from. And like, like she is in hysterics. And again, I'm like, really, God, you want me to be youth pastor? Can't I just go on this ride? Can't I just do it? And so eventually I look round at youth, no, I'll, I'll, I'll take the bullet, I'll do it. Amy Hall, there in Stocksbridge, hope you're feeling slightly bad right now. And uh, I, I went out of the queue with Amy, stood with her, made sure she was okay. Everyone got off the ride and they're all talking about it. And I just want them to shut up. Because <laughs> I 
feel like I've missed out. Anyone been in that situation? Like you've missed out on something? It might not be something as, I've still not been on air either. (laughs) Amy, I hope you're looking into my eyes right now. But remember the last time you felt like you missed out on something? Everyone was talking about it. Might not have been something as trivial as um, missing out on a message or even uh, on uh, Alton Towers, on a ride on Alton Towers. But in life, we can feel like we've missed out. In life, we can feel like we've missed the moment. We've wasted time. We've wasted our past. We've missed the chance. We've missed the opportunity of lifetime. Those verses I read, I wonder how Thomas felt. How much he felt like he'd missed out. He'd missed out on this moment. All the apostles are eyewitnesses to the fact, in capital letters, fact, that Jesus is raised from the dead. They're telling him all about it. Can you imagine how you felt as Thomas? Like it tells us in verse 25, it says this. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. I I did a little research and um, had a look. And that, that verse where it says they told him, it doesn't just mean they just told him once. They kept talking about it. Like they kept telling him, how would you feel? You've missed out. You've missed the moment. You've missed the mark. You've missed it. And somebody keeps talking about the moment you've missed. How would you feel? And it led Thomas to this moment where he says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands. You see, I, 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 like we can feel like we've missed the moment. We can feel like we've missed the mark. We can feel like we've failed. We've missed the opportunity. We've screwed up. We thought the wrong thing. We've acted the wrong way. And guess what it does? It leads us to doubt. In this moment, it led Thomas to a moment of doubt. This doubt, unless I, and it can lead us to doubt talking about today and the resurrection of Jesus and we're going to get into that and the power of it for our day today but when we miss out and we miss the moment and we feel like we've messed up we've missed the moment and it's all over it leads us to doubt the power of Jesus's resurrection you see we end up trying to fight our way back to God We end up trying to find our way back to his grace. We end up trying to find our way back to redeem our mistakes. We end up trying to earn our forgiveness. Anyone with me today that you've been in that moment? Can I be honest? I've done that and still do that today. There there is something ingrained in me that when I feel like I've missed the mark, when I feel like I've missed the moment, it leads me to doubt the power of God's grace. And all of a sudden, I feel like I need to earn his grace and his forgiveness again. You see, it's so much easier to receive something when we work for it. Would you agree? Like, it's so much easier to receive something when I've earned it. We just moved house. And uh, I have a box of football trophies. And Debbie says, do you want to keep these? (laughs) I had to pray in that moment. Do you want to keep? I have earned these, Debbie. Let me talk to her for a minute. I've earned these, Debbie. I worked hard for these trophies. Blood, sweat, tears, injuries, everything. I earned them. And they're all I've got left. (laughs) I know. uh, They can stay in the box, she says. She picked one out, actually, and she says, yeah, but this is a runner's-up trophy. Debbie! (laughs) 
Now, I have got rid of some of the trophies because I didn't feel like I deserved it or I earned it. There were some trophies that I had where I was kind of just part of the squad and I didn't really play a part. But this runners-up trophy means a lot to me. It was actually with a team that shouldn't have got to the final. And, you know, I ended up top goal scorer and I felt like I earned it. Like I dragged that team to that final. I did everything I could and I am keeping that trophy. No matter how like faded it has got over the years. It was a long time ago. But we, it's much easier to receive something when we've worked for it. When we feel like we've earned it. And the problem is, is that when we don't feel like we've earned it or we don't feel like we've worked for it, it begins us to doubt the power of the thing that we receive. You see, we were born to live transactionally. L- little test for you, Stocksbridge. I'm, I'm listening out for you intently. I'm, I'm believing the wind will bring you. You ready? This is not a trick question, everyone. You can answer this. One plus one equals... Everyone, everyone's quiet. Why? It's all right. You can answer. It's not a trick question. One plus one equals, you can put it in the chat. You can get it right. You can say it there in Stocksbridge. You see, we were born to live transactionally. If you do this for me, I do this for you. And we think this about the grace of God. You see, we miss the moment. We feel like we've missed the mark. We feel like we didn't deserve it or earn it. We didn't feel, we feel like Thomas. And we say, unless I do this, then I'll deserve it. Then I'll be able to receive it. And we put it, it's on me. We've been working hard to try and get ourselves to a good place. We've been working hard trying to get ourselves back to God. We've been working hard trying to get ourselves forgiveness. We've been working hard, but it's got us nowhere. And it's just left us feeling wanting more and trying to earn it more over and over again. And every time we fall short, we doubt the power of the grace of God in our lives. And we end up saying and we might not say it out loud but we end up doing it in our actions unless I do something then it'll change you see grace is this this will come up on the screen grace is this favor or kindness shown without regard to the worth or merit of the one who receives it and in spite of what that same person deserves Like we regard to the worth or merit of the one who receives it and in spite of what that same person deserves. You see, it's this grace of God. It's this unmerited favor as it is. It's this free gift. We'll get into that. It's a free gift from God. And it's why we are so passionate about Easter today. It's not all about the chocolate, though enjoy it. It's not all about the family time, though if you are having family time, enjoy it and enjoy it to the full. But it's about this resurrection of Jesus that actually brought in the grace of God for each and every one of us. So I didn't have to earn it. I didn't have to deserve it. But it's a free gift for all of us. J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, said this, If I had found I had driven into a bog. Who calls them bogs? Let's call it a pond, Stephen Edis. Anyone who knows, knows. Let's just say he drove into a pond. If I had found I had driven into a bog, I should know I had missed the road. But this knowledge would not be of much comfort. If I then had to stand helpless watching the car sink and vanish, the damage would be done. And that would be that. 
Is it the same when a Christian wakes up to the fact that he has missed God's guidance and taken the wrong way? Is the damage irrevocable? Must he now be put off course for life? Thank God, no. Our God is a God who not merely restores, but takes up our mistakes and follies. It's an old book. Into his plan for us and brings good out of them. This is part of the wonder of his gracious sovereignty. I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. God makes not only the wrath of man to turn to his praise, but the misadventures of Christians too. It's the power of God's grace in every single one of our lives that we may feel like we've missed it. But God, thank God, no. It's available for all of us. You see, we want cause and effect. If I do this, then this is the effect. We want input and output. If I input this, then this is the output I get. Like if I work hard, then I might get a raise. I might get more pay. If I, if I, if I are kind to people, I'll get acceptance. And some of this happens in the world. If I bring Debbie chocolate home, she's going to be happy. It's cause and effect. This moment, Thomas feels like he's missed out, he's missed the moment, he's missed the party, he's missed the opportunity of a lifetime, and it leads him to the place of doubt where he says, unless I. Let me pause for a minute. The doubt didn't lessen the grace of God. I'll say it again, because some of us have doubted whether God's at work in your life. The doubt does not lessen the grace of God. Like for you in Stocksbridge, somebody in Stocksbridge, you've doubted whether God is good. You've doubted even in moments whether God is with you. Well, he's with you and it doesn't lessen the grace of God. Because of your doubt, it doesn't mean that God is like withholding some of his grace. He's not doing that. They're in Sheffield, in Rotherham, in Derby, wherever you might find yourself today. You may have had some doubts. You may have had some moments where you're going unless I unless I am trying to earn my way well it never lessens the grace of God that's the power of the resurrection of Jesus it's the power of the empty tomb that today today his grace is fully available for each and every one of us it's not on my performance it's not on me because if it was on me there are moments where some things happen that are out of my control and it interferes with my efforts. And it's so hard for us to understand this moment of God's grace for us. It's so hard for us to understand that his death and resurrection were not in response to us doing something because we live our lives transactionally. But it's God at work. Look what it says, Romans 5, verses 6 to 8. You see, just at the right time. Well, I could speak on that. Just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were still messing up, while we were still making mistakes, while we were still missing the mark, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And three days later, he rose again. So today, you can know your past has changed. You can know your past has changed. The Bible tells us that uh, the old is gone and the new is here. Your past has changed. But it's not just your past that has been changed. Your present changes today. 
that actually you get to walk in life and life to the full and everything that God has got for you here and now. But also your future's changed. It's secure. Heaven is now my home. It's secure. I think sometimes we get that as Christians, though. We understand that, like, oh, yeah, it, this is why he did it, because, you know, this is why Jesus died and rose again, so I could go to heaven. We kind of get that. But it's more than that. It impacts our day to day. Many of us think, uh, live thinking it changes the future. It changes, I'll get to heaven one day. But no, it changes your past. The old is gone, the new is here. It changes your present. And it changed all that for Thomas and for Jesus followers ever since and still does that today. So how do we get from unless I to knowing the power of the resurrection of Jesus, to knowing the power of the empty grave? Well, firstly, taking notes and you want to enter heaven, this is your first point. I can live positionally, not transactionally. I can live positionally, not transactionally. It's not on me. It's on God. Like as Kanye West would say, it's on God. And we can go from the place of unless I to the place he's done it all. Because it's the grace of God. It's why we're here today. It's why we're worshiping Jesus. It's why we're lifting his name high because it's on him. It's everything he's done. There's another verse that tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace. I don't know, but if I'm not living positionally, I'm not sure I'm coming boldly to a throne of grace. Because if I'm living transactionally, I'm just looking at how much I've done and thinking I've not earned it. I've not deserved it. I've not got myself there. I've not got myself to a good enough place to come before God. And so I'm probably not coming boldly. I'm coming sheepishly. I'm coming timidly. But the Bible tells us we can come boldly to the throne of grace because there we'll receive all that we need. It's about living positionally. The Bible tells us that we're a child of God. We're not just like, a, you know, like a, a, a side friend, like someone on the sidelines who, you know, eventually when you've earned it, you get to God. No, no, no. The grace of God is that good that no matter what my life has looked like, I get to be a child of God today. I get to be adopted into the family of God. And come boldly to the throne of grace. Not because of our efforts, but all because of him. You see, the greatest change in our lives will come when we understand where God has called us to be. We can come boldly into his presence. That's where he's called us to be. It's where God has called us to be. And that's where we receive everything we need. I love this story of Thomas because Jesus, Thomas has his doubts. He has his unless I moment. But even in that, Jesus doesn't come straight in with the Thomas, stop doubting and believe. He comes with grace. He meets Thomas right where he's at. Like, Jesus isn't there when Thomas makes that statement, but he's hearing and he's listening. And he understands. And as he comes, he says to them, peace be with you. And he, he then says, you know, like, he shows them. He shows Thomas his hands. See, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. After, like he's met Thomas right where he's at in his doubt, in his moment of doubt, in his moment of unless I. He's met Thomas there. See, the Bible tells us that Jesus, that God is close to the broken heart. 
he'll meet you right where you're at. If you'll open your heart, he'll meet you right where you're at. I said right at the start, if we'll open our hearts, I believe God will speak to us. And I truly believe that because the Bible tells us he's close to the broken heart. But it also tells us that if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. See, this is the power. Like right where you're at today. I really believe the grace of God will meet you right where you're at today. That you can understand the grace of God right where you're at today. That you can understand the power of his grace and what the resurrection means for each and every one of our lives. Right where you're at today, all you have to do is just open your heart and open, uh, open your life to his presence and his grace and say, okay, God, speak to me. Okay, God, meet me where I'm at. Okay, God, I'm here. I believe it today. And it takes us to this incredible moment, Thomas's profession of faith. My Lord, my God. It's positional. My, it's personal. It wasn't, you know, they, they declared he was the Messiah, the Son of God, but this was personal. My Lord, my God. You see, I believe that in the unless I, when we realize the power of the resurrection, it becomes personal. And all of a sudden we live positionally that it's my Lord and my God. It's my Lord and my God. Today, wherever you find yourself, he'll meet you there. And what we did didn't get us the grace of God. Many times we think the reason my life's good is because I've done this. The reason my life's bad is because I've done this. But when we look at life and we think it's on me, but really is it? Like Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. The power of sin is broken over our lives. It is finished. He accomplished everything on the cross. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 say this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not, this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. No, not by works so that no one can boast. It is a gift of God. It's on God and he's already done it. So I want to encourage us today. Stop trying to live transactionally with God where you're trying to earn your way into his favor. When you're trying to earn your way into his grace. No, live positionally knowing that I can come boldly to the throne of grace. Because he's done it all. It is finished. He's done it all for each and every one of us. And today, I just need to simply come. Simply come into his presence. Know him and open my heart. And I believe he'll meet us right where we are. The resurrection today means I can live positionally. The second thing is this. The resurrection means God is for me. Some of my favorite verses, and I'm going to switch Bibles. I'm going to go NLT. Because I love, I love these verses in the NLT. Romans 8, 31. It's heavy. Romans 8, 31 to 39. Starts with this. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? You can go and read those. They're, they're in the verse before. If God is for us. I think, it's the, I think it's the number one question that gets answered when we see that Jesus raised from the dead. That actually this is a God who is for me. Because many people think God is looking at us and he's, he's judging us and he's, he's looking down and he's looking for our every single mistake. But today, today we can know that God is for us. And we need to truly know that in our lives, that God is for us. That's why the resurrection is so powerful. Like for you guys in Stocksbridge, he's for you. For all of our online campus, he's for you. Like is he law giver and is he judge 
or is he father and friend? Is he looking for your every single mistake to record it in his little black book? Like I had a paper round and I used to get paid. I used to take my money to my granddad and he was super stingy. And he was like my bank and he had a little black book and I used to give him the money and he'd note down when I'd given it, the date, everything. And he'd note down every single time I'd withdraw the money and what I'd withdrawn it for. And I remember once going to him, I really want a championship manager, like the best, best like football manager game ever. Right? I want a championship manager. And I go to him and I said, Granddad, I need £30 out of my money, my money that I've earned to get championship money. Well, Nathan, you've done this. You bought this. You bought that. You've got enough money, but look, just look at how much you've spent. Look at all this. Like this. God's not there looking at our record of wrongs when we come boldly into his grace going, look what you've done. Look at this. Look at this. No, 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 no. 1 Corinthians talks about love and God is love and it tells us love keeps no record of wrongs. Today, you can know that God is for you. Today, you can know the old is gone, the new is here and he is a... He is not keeping a record of your wrongs. Like my son's name is Zion Paul Benger. I did this with him last night. And I said, my son's name is Zion Paul Benger. And I'm stood there with Zion. And I said, and even when Zion messes up, his name is, and Zion shouted back, Zion Paul Benger. And even when he doesn't tidy his bedroom like I've asked, what's his name? Zion Paul Benja. Even when he thinks the wrong thing, what's his name? Zion Paul Benja. That name will not change. He's still a Benjamin, no matter what. I want to say to you, God is for you so much that no matter what life has looked like, no matter what go, what's going on in your life, no matter how many mistakes you made, no matter how far you think you've made those mistakes, you are still a child of God. And today you can know He is for you. He is for you. you I want you to declare it today. My God is for me. God, by His grace, allowed Jesus to die in my place. He paid the price for my sin, my selfishness, my arrogance, my pride. By grace, I get right standing with God. Oh, come on. His perfect sacrifice. Heaven is now my home. Does that sound like the actions of a God who is against me? No, it sounds like someone who is totally for me. And when we talk about God's love, I think we have this, we think of this romantic love. Like when I was dating Debbie, to get her to love me, I, I, I had to do some things. I know, you know, you're looking at this and thinking, how could, like, surely it just happened. No, it didn't. <laughs> like, she lived in Lincoln. I was in Chesterfield. I used to have to drive, like, finish work at 6 o'clock and, like, an hour's journey to Lincoln. Sometimes it's a bit shorter, maybe a lot shorter, but we'll not talk about that. <laughs> I had to do something, cause and effect. I had to take her out for meals. I had to buy her chocolate, lots of it cause and effect this is what we think about with God no 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 you see when we first got the scan of Zion I loved him before you were formed in your mother's womb I knew you God said he's for you and it's this love this love that is like this fatherly love it's described all over the Bible like this it protects it wants the best the other night, I heard weird noises in our new house, 2 a.m. And so I decided, I'm going to sort this out. Went down with my phone torch on, looking for him. 
It's just the washing machine and dishwasher. We're, this is the first time we've had a dishwasher, so I don't know what noises it made. But I was willing to protect. I didn't want to wake them up. I didn't want to worry them. Why? Because I loved them. I believe it's the same with God. God who is for us. Without any, unless I, unless I do this, unless I do, no, it doesn't need it. Today, you can know that God is for you. It goes on in these verses. It says, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Who can ever be against us? We can be filled with doubt because we're questioning if God is for us. No, nothing, nothing can stand against us. He's for me. I realize it wasn't by anything I did. I didn't earn it. I didn't have to do it. There was no unless I, but he is for me and nothing can stand against me. I'm gonna whiz through these verses because they're powerful. Verse 32, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up. That word gave means freely gave. Freely gave him up for all of us. Won't he also give us everything else we need? He freely gave it. It's unmerited favor. He gives us all things. We think Jesus died just to get, just so we could get to heaven. No, no, we need to trust that God is in control right here, right now, and he'll give us all things, no matter what we may be facing, no matter what's happening in our world, we can know that he is for me and that I have been saved by grace, this unmerited favor. He gave his son so we could be saved. He freely gave it, to use some old English. He bestowed undeserved favor over our lives. That word bestow means it's an honor, a right, a gift. He freely gave it. Verse 33 goes on, it says this. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with him. I talked about that right standing. Accusation doesn't come from heaven. Jesus died to make us righteous, to make us right with God. He died because he loved us. He died because we are now forgiven, rose again, so that today we can know that God is for us. Let me go on. It says this in verse 34. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to lie for us and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us when we read that word pleading we can think God's begging no 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 it's not that at all he says hey they might come with a whole load of evidence against you look at their life look at their life and and Jesus comes no there's some new evidence it's the cross there's some new evidence they're forgiven there's some new evidence that's old they're new. They're a new creation. There's some new evidence. Oh, what? There's a bill to pay? I paid it. Here's the receipt. It's like walking out of the store and you've taken a load of stuff, but you've not paid for it. And uh, the security guard stops you and say, where's your receipt for that? And someone comes up and says, no, I've paid for it. It's exactly the same. Jesus saying, no, there's some new evidence. There's some new evidence. The record of his sacrifice. This is more powerful than we realize. He died and rose to set us free. It goes on. And I want to read verse 37. Talks about, can anything ever separate us from his love? Verse 37 says this. 36, it talks about 35 and 36 talks about trouble and calamity and all of these things and it says then Paul goes from questions to declarations no despite all these things overwhelming victory is ours 
overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. The NIV tells us we're more than conquerors. In the face of everything we are facing, Paul moves to this declaration. No, in all the, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours. It's that moment where Thomas goes, my Lord and my God. No, overwhelming victory is ours. Verse 38, and I am convinced. Are you convinced today? I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. He goes on to list a whole load of things. Jesus is on your side. See, today, we can choose the power of the resurrection. We can live positionally, not transactionally. We can move from the unless I. And today, we can know that God is on our side. Right now, I want to pray for every single person. Come on, in our rooms in Chesterfield and Stocksbury, let's stand in this moment. I want to pray for every single person. Right now, I believe that if we'll grab a hold of this, we didn't earn it. We might not have even, we, we didn't deserve it. But it's freely for us. The grace of God is freely available for each and every one of us. And right now, I want to pray. And I want to encourage you right where you are to just open your heart to his grace. Whether you've been in church your whole life and you've heard about the grace of God before. Maybe you've been living in the unless I, the doubt, the moment. Maybe you feel like you've missed the moment, missed the mark. You've missed out. Well, today is another moment for you to receive his grace. Or today you've never done that. I want you to open your heart as I pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your grace. I thank you that your grace is available for each and every one of us. I thank you today that we can know that you're on our side. I thank you today that we can live positionally. And today we can know that we are a child of God, that we can receive all that we need. And so we come boldly. We come boldly, God. We come boldly to the throne of grace. We come boldly right now to your throne of grace and we receive all that we need. I pray over every single person that they would be, uh, they would know your love and your grace right now, that unmerited favor, that they would know that their past is changed, their present is changed and their future is changed through you raising again, through your resurrection. I pray today for anyone who's in those unless I moments. I pray, God, that you would meet them right where they are. We draw near to you, Jesus, and your promise says you'll draw near to us. And so we ask you to do that right now in the name of Jesus. And today on this Resurrection Sunday, we give you all the honor. We give you all the praise and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen, Amen, Amen.